This is the Massive Cinema Cast. My name is Joachim. And my name's Tom. And it's been a while, hasn't it, Tom? It has been many, many months, it feels like. Yeah. Um, since, since we last recorded. The last one we did was with uh, Craig Keller, and then I went off to a month's trip in India. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was... Uh, it was good to be back. Good to be back. Was back Indi- to my old telly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what was India how you imagined it was going to be? Was this the India of E.M. Forrester or was it more Slumdog Millionaire? Oh, this was Slumdog Millionaire. It was uh, it was much more intense than I thought it would be. Um, just people everywhere, dogs everywhere, cars everywhere, cows everywhere, shit everywhere, garbage everywhere, and smells and sounds and everything is just amped up to 11 and i don't know um it was it was a unique experience but the thing that i grew most tired of was the fact that i couldn't walk in peace uh people were constantly uh trying to get a hold of me or trying to make me buy something or getting in contact with me in order for me to buy something in the end that was the thing that happened to me all the time was I was getting in touch with people and it was all nice. And then suddenly the conversation would turn towards them selling me something. And it, you, I just grew kind of cynical in my mind. and It was kind of tiring just to go around being protective all the time. So Nepal was, it was also intense in Nepal, but it was much more like laid back in terms that people let you walk alone. Or they don't, they let you walk in peace. So if you want to buy something, you approach them, they don't approach you. So. So overall, would you recommend India? Um, I probably wouldn't recommend going alone as I did. Um, I would recommend going with someone because the times I was, I hooked up with some fellow travelers. It was a much more like it was much more easier walking around the streets because the attention is divided between you. Um, but I know people have said that the south of India is much more laid back. You've been to the south, haven't you? Or to Goa? Yeah, I've been to Goa. Yeah. yeah, and to be brutally honest with you, I did the whole kind of um, not really leave Goa very much and just seemed to party on the beach. And I was a lot yeah. younger then. And I, I as as um, as daft it sounds, I wasn't that interested in kind of heading out and sampling the local culture. I think I just wanted to kind of party on the beach and have a good time, which, you know, when you're in your early 20s, I guess that's what you want to do, yeah. I suppose. I mean, I'm a big one. I, it's one thing, even when you're saying that, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, I think I'd like to go there and, you know, experience what I suppose you could call the real India. But I mean, I guess it does come with caveats. My father used to go there quite a bit and used to kind of, I think, grew pretty jaded of it all. And I'm sure, you know, you can have a go there and have a great time and things like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's it's one of them, isn't it? It's a different culture, different experiences, I suppose. Definitely, and it just feels like, um, it feels like you're the you're so much of an outsider there. It's so different, so different to culture and you, uh, the people, the mindset. Everything is very different, and that makes it very interesting. But it also makes it very uh, tiring. At least for me, it was tiring. So yeah. But it, I, I don't regret going, really. Um, yeah, and going on your own as well. I mean, that's you know, I mean, I wouldn't do something like that. I have to be honest with you. I probably need to go with someone. I think. Yeah, uh, that's the thing that uh, I mostly learned from the trip is that I need people around me. <laughs> okay, well, that's well, at least that's one thing you got out of it. Then you yeah. don't want to be on your own, which is just very good um, for, for later life. That might come in handy knowing that information. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. Um, so what about the, uh, the watching side of things? Have you been watching anything new lately? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been on, I had some time off work recently and I kind of sat down and, uh, kind of got looking, you know, watching quite a few. I've not been to the cinema very much. The kind of, um, for anyone who lives in Manchester, the kind of the local kind of, I, I hate the term art house, but the place that shows decent films has shut and is now kind of turned into this massive new complex called Home. And that opened up whilst you were away. I've not actually been there yet. And I hope, um, I've, I've heard very, very good things about it. So I'm trying to pick a film. I might go down there next week and sample that. But mm-hmm. the corner house was a bit of an institution that kind of, um, when it announced it was going to be closing down, all the hipsters suddenly came out of the woodwork saying how it must be saved, although I doubt any of them ever used to go there. It just suddenly seemed to become this kind of Manchester institution. But the new building is absolutely ridiculously impressive, and apparently the screens are a lot bigger, which is one of the things I would say about it. The screens are tiny um, in the old place. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, I've been watching those, really. I've been, I've been preparing my sort of best of 2014 um, episode for the 24 Frames cast, actually. And the reason why it's taken so long was so I was going back to lots of the films that I'd seen on my kind of, which I thought had made my top 10 and having another look and catching up with some other ones. Watch a rather brilliant documentary called Point and Shoot. Have you heard or have seen that? No, I don't think so. Um, definitely worth checking out. It's a documentary about a guy who has... Um, I guess you could say he has kind of confidence issues and um, he also has obsessive compulsive disorder um, whereby he has to always kind of keep his hands clean. And his girlfriend sort of casually mentions to him that um, he might need to kind of be a bit more of a man. And he ends up fighting with Libyan rebels against Colonel Gaddafi. Oh. And if that's as crazy as it sounds, this film is mental. Um, I've, I've never really seen any, seen anything like it, really, just how... This guy's sort of perception of war has been shaped by really Rambo films and playing computer games. And then he lands in what really looks like a real life version of Call of Duty. And it's completely crazy because everyone who he meets up seems to have the same mindset. Like they are posing, um, firing their weapons and mm. firing rocket launchers just for the sake of posing. And then occasionally someone gets shot and they're all saying, like, oh my God, you know, how, how's that happen? It's a bonkers film. I was absolutely captivated by it. Um, definitely well worth seeing. And, um, yeah, and I watched, uh, what else did I go back and see? Obviously, being Easter, I had a kind of glut of biblical films and I watched the truly incredible Exodus Gods and Kings, um, the Ridley Scott film, mm. which obviously he was so desperate to me remake Gladiator and Robin Hood. <laughs> and make and make a biblical film that he managed to find the material. Um truly incredible three D, it has to be said. I was I was blown away by it, but um yeah, it just kind of file under um Noah for just crazy biblical adaptions. This was yeah. pretty mental actually. And I went back and watched Beowulf again as well on Blu-ray. Oh yeah, yeah. The three D I got hold of the three D copy of that. And uh, yeah, it's a really good film actually. I think that kind of I, I was pretty, I was pretty happy with that again, actually going back to it. And it was the first kind of adult 3D film that had came out. And, um, mm-hmm. it's a pity. I think you can only get and the, the copy I got hold of came from Germany, I think, or somewhere like that. It's not wildly available yet, but yeah, I was pretty, um, pretty interested in that. And, uh, I've been watching loads of Antonioni films as well, which we'll talk about, I think, which might be relevant to the, what we're going to be talking about soon. But, mm. um, yeah. And TV wise, um, I've been really making the most of my Amazon Prime account and watching Outlander, which I can't work out whether it's so good it's bad or so good it's brilliant. Either way, I'm, <laughs> either way, I'm absolutely addicted to it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just absolutely enjoying that. And I've, I've now that better, I can watch all of Better Calls, so I think I'm going to crack on with that as well quite soon because I'm hearing very, very good things. So, mm. yes, that's have about. You, 
Have you seen that uh, the Daredevil show? No, and now I've, I keep hearing everyone at work's raving about that as well. So yeah. I'm going to check that out. Apparently, it's incredibly violent, but I, I, I did read someone saying it was awful, and um, it's one of those where I, I, I might be one of the few people who actually quite enjoyed the Ben Affleck film. So I feel a little bit mm-hmm. guilty on that part, but <laughs> I might. Yeah, I'm definitely it's on my list. There just seems to be so much at the moment that I want to watch because the yeah. Americans was another CV series that I got into. Um, I listened to an audio book about the Cold War, and it kind of started talking about spies on that, and I checked that out. And I blitzed through series one of that. And, uh, yeah, really, really into that show as mm-hmm. well. That kind of took me by surprise. So, yeah, absolutely loads out there at the moment, which I need to catch up on. Yeah. Um, the first cinema experience I had post-India uh, was the, the second best exotic Marigold Hotel. Oh, <laughs> I, I've not seen the first one. And I just it just looked like one of those films that my mum and dad would enjoy, which yeah, instantly uh, made it was speak. actually um, my mum and dad took me and my girlfriend out. So um she uh, uh, it's it's a nice movie it, it's like pressurable it's charming it's sweet but it's uh it's like the opposite of what i found india and jaipur with the town that they're in uh this is like the the hollywood version that, yes like, yeah. yeah everyone's so, well fed and in yeah a, yeah, a, yeah comfortable middle class existence and that kind of thing yeah so um but uh, I've also been catching up on screeners, uh, watching the the offense, uh, among other things, and that is such an amazing movie. Really, uh, I might, if that's the case, I might even watch it straight after we finish tonight. Yeah, I think. it's so interesting uh, and so complex psychologically. Watching uh, Connery's character battle with uh, everything that he's going through, yeah, really good. And speaking of your 2014 show, I watched Winter Sleep, Ooh, yeah. which um, might be. Uh, at least in my top three. Yeah. Ooh, well, I, it, I, I suppose I can make a, a minor spoiler that it didn't make my top ten, much to my surprise. And as I talk about in that in that upcoming episode, this is the film where I have never seen so many people walk out of the cinema. Oh wow! And, and I mean, I'm I'm I estimate when I watched it, there must have been at least twenty people walked out of it. And I mean, I thought it was excruciating watch at sometimes. I, I didn't anticipate how. Lot, I mean, I knew how long it was, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize how long it would feel watching that film. And I, I kind of left feeling incredibly smug that I'd managed to sit through <laughs> three and a half hours of Turkish art house ponderous cinema. But, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was disappointed with it. I have to say, hmm. as a follow up to Once Upon a Time in Antonio, which was my favorite film when it came out that year. Yeah, um, I was. Yeah, I, it, it didn't do much for me. I have to say, um, I felt the ending really was just a bit of a cop-out actually to be honest with you i just didn't believe that the person would do what they do in it, mm. which isn't to give anything away but i uh yeah it, it didn't sit well with me that film and okay. I, I even read in sight and sound um the director himself sort of said perhaps it was a film that was best kind of watched in kind of parts I, it, it made me think and i do talk about it on the episode actually which is i think there needs to be intermissions back in cinema yeah, I watched I th- it uh, at home, so uh, mm. and I had intermissions. I couldn't, I couldn't like sit through three hours. No, I mean it was. I mean the other thing as well, the cinema I was in, which is obviously in the now closed corner house, is in cinema three of that, which for anyone who knows Manchester and knows that cinema knows that's the smallest one, and the screen you are quite sat like, quite close to the screen, and it gets unbearably hot in there. Yeah, and I was like, I'm hot, I'm uncomfortable, and I was consciously aware that if it didn't end soon, I was going to miss my train home, which means I'll be stuck in town <laughs> for another hour. And I was, I, I just, there was just a multitude of things that were stopping me from really, really enjoying it. I, I definitely need to see it again because it, it, it's, it's one of those films where 
I don't know whether it's so kind of multi-layered and so kind of deep that perhaps when you're sat there thinking my bum's my bum's beginning to ache, I need a drink, mm. I'm going to miss <laughs> my train. You know, a multitude of those perhaps might kind of deflect your kind of attention away from it. But mm. I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to it. Yeah. Yeah, but just just not in the comfort of my own house where I can say right in submission time, you know, and just go and yeah, kind sure. of you know snap my back into place. I think it, it will. Um, do, but um, the, the other film actually I want to quickly mention was I watched John Lloyd Goodard's first three D effort this uh, today, Goodbye to Language, mm. and <clears> um, <throat> yeah, I still hate John Lloyd Goodard. That was the yeah. in three D, and this is the thing I actually when I started watching it, um, I didn't I, I realized I hadn't actually selected the three D option on it. And I sort of thought, is this some sort of like smug joke? You know, like, <laughs> you know, you bourgeois types thinking this is a 3D. You know, I mean, I thought it was a joke at first. It was just some sort of, because that's how I feel about his films. I always sort of feel like I'm being, I don't know, like it's just way too clever for me or something like that. And then I actually genuinely realized I didn't have the 3D option. on it, So I went back and watched it. I, st- <laughs> I still hated it, to be brutally honest with you. It was just a chore to sit through. The only good thing I can say about it is only 69 minutes. Hmm. But um, I, God knows what everyone's raving about this. I just don't get it. I mean, you know, yeah. help me out with my ignorance, people. I just, I, breathless, yeah, love it. Um, there's a couple of others that I, I, I think, but the rest of it, I just, it just loses me, I'm afraid to say. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm even going to bother trying. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I know that that is not the type of movie for me. Uh, yeah. And I'm not going to bother sitting through it just to say that I've seen it. Yeah. Um, you know, you're yeah. really not missing anything. And the other one I would talk about, everyone in Britain, um, sadly, because of our crappy libel laws, we're going to miss out on seeing Going Clear, Scientology, The Prison of Belief. I did get hold of it from um, channels of which I won't discuss publicly. But um, this was the, the document, the Alex Gibney film about Scientology um, mm. that's recently come out. And I'm mildly disappointed with this as well, actually, I have to say. Um, mm. I didn't think it went quite deep enough. I thought it was, there was nothing in there that I didn't hadn't already heard before and there, there wasn't it wasn't it wasn't very revelatory i think to me no. um, but you know i'm a massive fan of alex gibney films anyway so but yeah, it's good it's definitely worth watching you know, it's very interesting but he has mild, mildly disappointed with it unfortunately okay so that was uh, a bit of a catch-up um forgive us listeners if you're not really interested in non-moc stuff but uh the hands over the city uh, directed by Francesca Rosie. I, uh, I haven't actually seen any Rosie films before this one. I know of the, the moment of truth, but I haven't seen it yet. I, I mean, uh, I think there's a very, a very good reason for that in the, in the fact that his films are incredibly hard to get hold of. Hmm. Um, I've got, um, Salvatore, uh, Giuliano, which is one of my favorite films. And I didn't actually realize until I was in FOP in Manchester the other day that it was actually available on Blu-ray for the princely sum of seven pounds. So I was pretty delighted with that and I picked it up and went back and watched it and I owned the Criterion DVD of that anyway and going back and watching that film I absolutely loved loved, loved it again and The Moment of Truth which is also out on Criterion that's a brilliant film as well um, about mm. it's about bull, a, a young bullfighter and um, yeah that really really stuck out stuck out for me it's one of my favourite Criterion releases of that year actually when it came out but the rest um, I think some of them are available in Region 1 but I actually tried to get hold of some um, in preparation for this and yeah you just can't um, you can't get them or you can pay ridiculous sums to kind of get them imported over which is a massive shame because I think he's a really great director actually I, I, I've, from what I've seen the three films of his that I've seen I know he's certainly someone who I want to watch a lot more of mm. um, this uh, Hands of the City's won the Golden Lion at Venice in 1963 and uh, 
Rosie, he sadly passed away this January, actually. Um, but it seems to me that mo- from what I could read, uh, most of his films post or Salvatore Giuliani and post that one, it deals with more of a look at society and a, like a political message or a political view on how he deems society. Am I right in uh, saying that? Uh, well, like I said, I mean, I can't really comment. I mean, I noticed he did a lot of kind of gangster films and stuff like that later mm. in his career. Um, but I mean, I've, I've just not seen enough of him to kind of make any kind of, you know, generalization as to kind of what as a director he kind of stood for. Mm. Other than the, you know, on the evidence that I've seen kind of in, in a moment of truth. Um, I mean, it's, it, it's a film where you, it's a very kind of bleak look at life. I think yeah. hands over the sea. Um, it's very- very cold film and a very like impersonal in terms that you don't really get um you don't really get under the skin of the people no there's not a central character you can really sort of say here's our main protagonist and or even like a hero figure someone you can sort of sit there and say yeah this guy is the kind of the beating heart of this film Hmm. it's very much i mean one of the things that struck me about it actually was how loud this film is yeah, it just consi- there just seems to be scene after scene of men bellowing at each other, <laughs> and this kind of crazy kind of and it, and this is this make no in fact this is a film about men. Yeah. That there are not many women in this film at all, and by God, if there are in it, they have apps. They're not important at I all. Can't really. really remember a single female. No, I remember one. I remember some women in the film. We'll talk about that in a bit, but yeah, it's it, it's a film where. Because the first time I watched it, I was kind of like trying to kind of, I was waiting to find the person who was going to be the kind of the beating heart of this film. We we're going to kind of journey through it with them. And you don't get that really. No. At all. And there's this, I mean, the brilliant, um, Rod Steiger is, at first I was kind of like, well, what's he, what's he doing in this film? Because Rod Steiger kind of reminds me when I see him in films kind of in the sixties, he kind of reminds me of kind of how Sidney Pollock was in his later career. Cause you know, as soon as you see him, he's up to no good. <laughs> and Sidney Pollock kind of had that, you know, I mean, I was watching Eyes Wide Shut again the other day and, you know, these, these types of films. And as soon as I was, I was like, what's Rod Steiger doing in there? You know, he's obviously an American actor. Um, I'm not sure if, is he, is he speaking Italian or is it dubbed? I'm not no, entirely he's sure. dubbed, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I kind of thought that, but yeah, I was like, well, here's Rod Steiger. He's one of my favorite actors. And, you know, he's, he's just, he's just got this kind of permanent scowl on his face. And if you look at some of the scenes with him in, he's, he's always kind of observing people kind of stood behind them, kind of just cocking his head, kind of making these kind of facial expressions. You just think this guy's an asshole. And everyone in that film, even the nice people in this film, I don't really like that much. No. <laughs> And it's such a it's such a physical performance from Rod Steiger, even though you know he's or I, at least I could tell that this guy is being dubbed and he's not speaking Italian. You, you don't really know, need to even have the subtitles to understand what he's saying because he's constantly like showing through his body language the message of his words, and it's it, it's a real pleasure to watch him perform. Uh, in the film and he definitely takes charge of every scene he's in um i I don't think i've seen many of many other films of him at least i can't remember it so uh i will definitely watch out for him uh, in the future yeah i mean there's that the thing about rod steiger's film he doesn't even seem that interested in what's actually going on in a scene sometimes there's a bit where he's in his office and they're kind of talking about kind of 
you know, the, the, the plan going forward. And he's, he's, he's more interested in looking at pictures of himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, well, well, yeah, you haven't used a light on this. And it's like, and it's, it, there's a brilliant, it's framed brilliantly because he sat behind this desk and there's just this massive map of the, of Naples in the background. Yeah. And it's kind of obviously he's kind of the lord of this domain. And yeah, and he's just kind of like, well, well, you know, you haven't used a, a highlight in this camera. It makes me look like, he, he said, I think he even says like a gangster or something like that. Like and Mussolini. That's it. Yeah. Some, and he, he, he makes that comment. And he's like, and he's, everyone's like, oh, it's going to cost this. Oh yeah, whatever. You know, and he's just sort of strolling around. And he's just, <laughs> it, it's hard not to, I, I mean, I, I guess we're sort of saying it's, there's no one to, to sort of like in this film, but I, I was kind of like laughing at the kind of the sheer kind of, just nastiness of this man. He's just a, and, and everywhere, I mean, when he's in the shot and it's an office, there's always a reminder that this city is his, like there's a model of the city yeah, there. Yeah. There's a map of the city. His office overlooks the city and it's this kind of guy is just consumed by extracting as much money out of this place as he possibly can. Mm. Sod everyone else. He just wants, every, he just, he's just going to extract cash and power from everyone and once i kind of got over the facts i suppose when i the first time i watched it that this isn't a film about nice people when i went back and watched it again i said i enjoyed the film a lot more because mm. i could kind of appreciate it for the kind of the superficial power grab of these characters these aren't deep kind of people that they just want power and money that's it Mm. And they're going to screw everyone over. And from that perspective, I actually think it becomes a lot more enjoyable when you see it from that. Yeah, because the film, it deals with this, like the corruption of modern politics and it is really portraying and condemning it as a truly broken system that is beyond repair. And we follow this modern corrupt politician that is, he's kind of estranged by everyone he considers close when things start to get tough. Um, and it's really this every man for himself, but Rosie's, he's not really interested in looking at one character and studying that character, but he's looking at how that character behaves in relation to like the collective society and portraying the society is in instead of the individual. Uh, and that doesn't mean that we get like both sides, but he's interested in portraying this political, the underbowels of uh, the bowels of the, the political system and just how broken it really is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a look at, uh, it's a look at reality, isn't it? It's, it's not kind of interested. I mean, we're not going to kind of get like, there's no sort of melodrama in this film. There's no, no star-crossed lovers, you know, there's no, the, 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 the long, the even, young... the, even the scene where the, the, the women are coming and begging for, begging for understanding or something after the meeting mm. is about 20, 25 minutes in and he's just giving out money, the mayor. <laughs> yeah. This is what I was going to talk about actually. When we talk about women in the film, it's like that, that scene just sums up this film. Like yeah. if you just give people cash, that just, that just, you know, that solves everything. Yeah. Give them some cash, they'll go away. That need these poor, simple folk. That's all they want, really. Just a little bit of money given to them and they'll go away and, you know, we can kind of focus on the, on, on, on the more important issues. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I think Ross is, you know, he's sort of saying that this is this world, you know, make what you think of it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, local politics. I mean, I work for a local authority here in Manchester, you know, part of the council. Um, I think corruption might be a, a bit of a strong word to use, but one of the things when I was watching Hands Over the City, you see people who are councillors in Manchester, and I would say to be charitable, their intentions for being councillors 
are a little bit clouded as to what they're really hoping to achieve. Hmm. And I, I sometimes sit there and I think, why are you actually doing what you're doing? Is it because you really care or is it because it looks good for you because you want a career in politics? Hmm. And when we have you know, an issue at the moment where vast um, tracts of Manchester have been bought up by the Abu Dhabi group who own Manchester City. And it's the best thing ever, apparently, for the city. And I, 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 I feel massively conflicted about it because let's not forget these are, you know, in, in Abu Dhabi, it's a country where it's not illegal to beat your wife. It's a country built on siphoning cash away from people, need it into the hands of one people. These are, yeah, you know, make no mistake, these are, these people are dictators, really. And yet they come here and splash the money and everyone's telling out they're the best thing since sliced bread. And it just shows you how people will see what they want to see when they want to see it. Mm. Well, you know, if you want to see sparkling new roads and nice houses, well, then we'll ignore the fact that the, the money that's provided that has come from corrupt, evil people who are, you know, you know, read the Amnesty International report on that part of the world. It's horrific. You know, it is being a homosexual is a crime punished by death. You know, this is, this is, this is what you're dealing with. And it, I, I think a lot of people kind of forget that. And I, I saw echoes of this in hands over the city. You know, these people were building houses, apparently social housing. They don't care if the buildings fall down. You know, they, all they're, all they're interested in is how much they can sell a square meter of piece of land for. Yeah. And it, it when you kind of boil it down to that, I, th- I think it makes for an incredibly depressing film in a way. Yeah, yeah. And the buildings they are planning to erect, those aren't meant for the people who the building are collapsing in the in the midtown. These are like um, higher, uh, more expensive uh, apartments that they are building. So the people who are who have lost their apartments, they yeah, they get shipped off somewhere else. They they don't really care about the people that they are injuring in this well I mean, if, you, if you want to see what happens to the people in this film watch watch gomorrah yeah yeah, yeah. the film that came out in criterion that's that's what happened that, that that's where these people ended up mm. in these kind of horrendous prefab housing blocks you know on the edge of naples in these kind of you know became these kind of crime-ridden places and it's interesting because i've been watching a lot of antonioni films recently and it the thing that kind of gets you about those is that they take place in this ultra chic modern Italy mm-hmm. where it's all kind of glass fronts and, you know, kind of abandoned streets. And like in a lot of Italian films, a lot of people's lives just seem to kind of consider, sorry, revolve around going to kind of crazy parties that never seem to end in and then leaving looking immaculate and beautiful. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting because I was watching those films and I kind of thought this, you see those buildings and this kind of life they're living and there's a, a real kind of superficiality to it. And it kind of, I, I guess the kind of the buildings kind of represent the kind of the, I guess the detachment that kind of people are beginning to find their lives. And, and what was interesting was when I was watching Hands Over the City, that's evident in a, in another way in the fact that all this kind of corruption and this kind of, I guess how the system is broken, it manifests itself in these houses and these apartment blocks falling down because they're not built to last they're built to kind of plug a gap people mm-hmm. to make money and this corruption is there and it's the corruption of the soul in a very different way to how you see it in other like in Antonioni films you see it in this kind of like the emptiness of everything and this you see it in a more physical way and i mean those scenes when the buildings are falling down um 
I, I was generally quite scared actually having you know I was watching it upstairs in the, the, old, the old cinema and stuff like that and uh, yeah you just sort of see this kind of this crumbling decrepit society hmm. and, and literally falling down on these people who are getting screwed over and uh, it makes for an incredibly bleak I think uh, look at life yeah yeah and Rosie seems intent on exposing to us views the lack of morals among these men is not because the the inquiry that is raised, they don't really discover any technical wrongdoings, but they uncover so many like moral obligations that are just shifted away and shoving the blame for one man to the next. And everyone is hiding behind like this bureaucracy and technicalities. And I love the scene where they are going over the um uh, the building plans, and they, he says that two one wall is. 0.5 millimeters and two walls are one millimeter and uh, our pens only are only one millimeter so we can't show th- we can't really tell the difference between yeah. one wall and two walls and it's just that that sense of like everything is technicalities and everyone is blaming someone else and yeah oh yeah when you sit at the start of the mayor's like oh we have this isn't on the agenda this building's yeah. fallen down it's like no it's not the agenda this actually it's, <laughs> it's for the judiciary you know and they're like saying well you know we need to talk about it no 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 you know, we can't, we can't possibly talk about this incredibly horrific thing that's happened. Um, it's, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll shift it under the, you know, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll let it, ha- we'll let it slide and that kind of thing. And it's, it's one of the, uh, you know, cause there's an election coming as well, isn't there? So everyone's kind of yeah. worried about who's going to find out what. And it's, you know, it's like a good old fashioned governmental inquiry. You know, I mean, we've got one coming out in Britain for the, called the Chilquat inquiry about the, uh, the Gulf War and they're not going to bring it out just yet. Hmm. It's ready, but there's an election coming on. So yeah. <laughs> probably, probably no one's going to look that great when it comes out. So let's just sit on it for a bit. And then we can just, you know, we can, we can have a big argument about it when it comes out. And I think hands over the sea, it, it kind of reminded me of an Aaron, Sor- like an Aaron Sorkin script mm-hmm. with everyone just kind of, you know, whittling on and talking over each other. Mm-hmm. And then it's like sometimes when you watch episodes of the West Wing, I, I often find where it's lots of people sat around talking and then suddenly the president will walk in and say, Hey, this is how we're going to resolve it. And then that, that never happens. No one yeah. ever seems to resolve it. It's just like, those are men going, oh, well, uh, yeah, yeah, shouting and screaming at each other. And it's like, yeah, next day. And then, then they're kind of, they're onto something else. You're sort of thinking, well, what, what are you guys actually doing? What is the kind of, the, where are we going with this film? And as a film, I, I someone, I, I know somebody who watched you said they got really frustrated by it. Because they were waiting for like people to end up going to prison or just someone like it needs like an Elliot Ness character to kind yeah. of come in and say, right, you know, I'm <laughs> going to clean this city up and everyone's going And that never happens. Yeah. And it, it sort of begs the question, you know, what, you, what, what's the appeal of Hands Over the City in a way? You know, what, what, it, I mean, I love it because I, I love watching the people. I think that's mm. what I kind of like. I, I enjoy it so much. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of um, Peter Watkins' films at times where you have this sort of low budget documentary feel to it where large portions of the film it feels like it's untouched or barely edited like the scene from the the, the communist rally uh, and he also uses like real councilmen uh, from the naples and it kind of diffuses the line between fiction and reality and i think even in the end he says that um the characters and the um, and the plot of this film that is uh, fiction, but the the setting and the context that is reality. Yeah, I mean, on that point, do you think Rod Steiger is a bit of a distraction in a way? Yeah, I do. Um, I really do feel that I can tell. Um, maybe that's due to the dubbing um, more than anything else. I can I can sort of see that his face isn't 
isn't complying with the sounds that he's making. Um, but so just, I, yeah, just having a, a star like him in it. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. For me, I didn't recognize Rod Steiger, so um, I didn't yeah. get point dragged out. But when I found out that he was an American, it came to my mind that yeah, it's kind of weird why they didn't go for a go for an Italian or go for someone that was yeah. less known. It's like um, when Brad Pitt turns up in Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, I was totally enough. As soon as that happened, I was like, I, I think I let out an audible. <laughs> Yeah, he breaks that feeling of uh, the story and takes us out of it, yeah. Yeah, and I, I sort of, I, you know, I, I, can't remember, I like Rod Steiner, I like his performance, as we kind of mentioned, but I was sort of thinking, other than kind of monetary values and having him in it for kind of, you know, I guess as a kind of to sell it abroad, I was thinking, I'm not sure if, he's, if, if his actual presence as a, as a name is a detriment to the film in a mm. way. Um, I think it, it kind of might work in the fact that obviously he's kind of like the main kind of baddie in this, yeah. in, in the film, you know, so having someone who can, you can recognize you might kind of anchor it a little bit, but. Mm. And it gives a good performance. Uh, I oh, do it, think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, a, I mean, yeah, I think it's a, a genuine brilliant, it's just such a physical performance, mm. you know, just like the little kind of mannerisms he gets and that kind of building sense of anger and he's always kind of pacing up and down with his hands on his hips and kind of making facial movements and looking around the room and what i like is that you can it sounds daft but you can almost see him thinking in his mind what yeah him, like trying to work this out you know how am i gonna screw this over and <laughs> what, what am i gonna do to make this situation better for myself how am i gonna do it who am i gonna screw over yeah and uh i mean i would say kind of like when you talk about kind of the, the p walks i kind of disagree on that a little bit because I actually think it's a beautiful film in a way. I love the black and white um, cinematography mm-hmm. on this. And, um, you know, Jean de Vanzo, I mean, he was um, all over those. He's been all over the um, uh, Antonioni films I've been watching. Um, he did Eight and a Half as well. Yeah. Um, he, did, he, did, he did do Salvatore Giuliano as well. So I think, yeah, it's a, I think it's a really great film. And it has almost kind of like a noir look to it. Lots of kind of shadows and... Mm. Um, and, and Rosie, the way he... Um, the way he uh, places the characters within a scene, he, he, there's a very like, um, it's very well planned. Every shot you can see uh, that he's really choreographing the actors around so that they feel like they are populating the entire the entire screen, and, yeah, and everyone mean, has their place. And it doesn't yeah. feel it doesn't feel like eye catching. You just notice it when you when you're really paying attention to that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a scene where um, I think it's Davita is talking to um, the Rod Steiger character in an apartment, and it kind of there's a you know a shot reverse shot going on, and the, the, the Davita kind of kind of guy he's, he's kind of framed against this wall, and it's kind of like it, you just I think it's in just the apartment in, in the living room or something like that, but it looks like it's completely swallowing him up, and you obviously kind of Steiger's kind of standing over the city in the background, and it just brilliantly kind of reinforces the relationship between them which mm. is Steiger has all the power and he's able to make people very small, mm. even in a confined space. And yeah, like that, that kind of blocking, you know, I mean, I, I love the way the kind of the, the, the camera goes from uh, like models of the city to the actual city, to yeah. them standing over. It. And it's making a very sort of, it's, it's not being subtle, I suppose. It's sort of saying this is in effect, this city is their model for mm-hmm. them to do. They can, you know, they can move the pieces around as much as they want. They do. They are the lords of this domain and they, it is for all intents and purposes, just their plaything. Mm. And I mean, like I say, it's not subtle, but the camera is kind of telling his camera movements and his camera composition is telling you that without even having to kind of make it that explicitly clear as it were. Mm. Um, 
I feel like um, on the one hand, I I do really love the like the cynical, no bullshit approach that Rosie has, where he's really like showing his hand and showing his opinions, um, and there's no way to misinterpret what Rosie really thinks of society. But on the other hand, it has this sort of cold and personal feel to it, and that really does become a problem to me, especially after. Natola, he's abandoned by his political friends and he starts pursuing the position of a commissioner. And the film is really like dialogue driven, as we've been talking about with all this political backroom talk. And I suppose that I don't really have any investment in the outcome of all these talks, like the sneaky deals that are made behind the closed doors. I don't really care one way or the other, not at least in, in a personal way for the characters, I, like, I want the right party to lose uh, and Justin to win, justice to win and all that. But this is more, I feel like this film, for me at least, I would like to consider it that it is more about Natola. I feel like he's, he's the main guy for the film and we are kind of watching where he's going and what his future will be. And it's it kind of reminded me of like House of Cards. Um, and you're, you're watching this conniving, filthy politician wiggle his way th- to the White House. Um, but in, in the House of Cards, I think that I, I feel like I'm more with the character. I better understand his goals and his ambitions and struggles. And here, I feel like I'm a bit confused by all the intricacies of the plot and just a bit too unpersonal, impersonal for uh, the politicians. It's a film where you have to keep up with it. Yeah. Certainly. And on, yeah, I, I, I like the kind of house of cards analogy actually that you've made there because yeah, that, I mean, I, I found season two of that. I was really struggling yeah. to work out what was going on. And I think a lot of that has to do with, I don't really understand American politics. It just seems so, it seems complicated to say complicated, but in, in hands over the city. Yeah. Trying to work out what people's end goal is is quite hard and I, I I sort of think almost that's the point mm-hmm. in the fact that you can do as much as you can you can you can try and really you know kind of launch an inquiry and stuff like that but at the end of the day not a lot's really going to happen because right. you're going to put yourself in the firing line and if you put yourself in the firing line that means that you might kind of lose your grip on power and this sort of, you can see how it kind of get to the point where you think to yourself well if I kind of really sort of start kicking up a fuss and, and making a nuisance of myself that's going to cause problems for my political career. So is it probably best that we just kind of, you know, we all decide that perhaps things are best off staying as they were or, Mm. you know, kind of carrying on, you know, as things is. And it's, it's a tough one because it's a very, um, again, going back to the Antonioni thing. I mean, you watch one of those films and at the end of those, you don't really feel like anyone's had this kind of revelatory experience. I think a lot of the times they just sort of tend to end. Yeah. And sort of, you've just been there for the past two hours with these people, which isn't to say I don't enjoy it. I really do. I think that's I'm trying to kind of go through them and understand them. And that's where the kind of the enjoyment comes from. And with Hands Over the City, it, it, it all feels like, I'm going to use the term anticlimactic, not in a bad way, but it doesn't have the moment of euphoria or that kind of bit where someone says, ha, you're going to prison or, We've changed this, and you know, I mean, one of the thing with characters, one of the characters is about the land that they're building. It's like Swiss cheese. Mm. It's useless. It's, it's useless, and you sort of you want that guy to get the, you want the someone from the government to come down, 
and say, look, you know, we know what you're up to or you want something to happen. And that never happens. Mm. It's just, look, there's lots of build up and there's lots of kind of, I suppose, what you interpret as being threads to the, to the plot. Where in a normal film, that you would get those come up and coming. In this, you don't have any of that. Mm. And I think in that respect, perhaps, you know, because of the way we're used to watching films and the way we're consuming them, films are all plot, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, they're all, you know, about, if something says, if someone says something in a film, there's a pretty good chance the reason they're saying it is because something's going to happen. It's going to have meaning. And in this, it's just lots of conversations and people talking. And it doesn't really seem to have the kind of the resolution that perhaps we're used to. Um, you know, just, just from the, the, on the diet of films that we watch. And yeah. I think once you, once you tune into that, I think it, you can kind of see this is a film about nuance and about tone and about people in a certain part of the world doing a certain thing. And once you kind of tune into that, I think that it, it does become a little bit more rewarding. Mm-hmm. And I really do love that final shot with Davita. He's like making this grand statement and he's like talking to everyone and telling them that, um, telling everyone about the corruption in society and how this cannot stand. And the camera just slowly it like it pulls back and reveals that he's just one guy and being drowned out by this mass of people inside the courtroom or the, um, yeah, the room that they're in. And I love that it doesn't, I mean, he makes a statement, but you feel that, this isn't really going to change anything. And we get that in the final scene where things are going ahead. Yeah. And where are we? We're, we're back right where we were at the start of yeah. the film. But you know, we're, we're talking about the useless land, that's, you know, the crappy land. That everyone, and all that's happened over the course of this film is that everyone who said they were going to make a load of money is going to make a load of money. Yeah. And, you know, that, you know, and it's, it's all right with that. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's, you sort of sit there and you think, oh. <laughs> and I mean, and, and yeah, like yeah, like I said, I think watching Gamora would be a really good kind of double bill to find yeah. out what, what went on with Naples after this. But yeah, going back to kind of the council chamber scenes, I love those scenes, um, just because the, the manicness of them and the kind of the, yeah, the this is how like local politics are, and it's just these men, these really kind of like striking guys just bellowing at each other. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like when you watch the stock exchange trying to work out what's going on. <laughs> God knows how anyone makes any money. <laughs> And they're just shouting, you know, the various, there's a brilliant scene where all those guys put their hands up in the air and it's just manic brilliance, I think. Um, and, you know, I can personally attest to the fact local politics is not interesting. This film makes local politics interesting somehow, <laughs> just by virtue of the fact of the kind of the cacophony of noise here. And I, mean, I, had to, I had to turn it down a couple of times. I was just like, just stop bellowing everyone. Just every, you know, but that again, that's how, you know, that, that that's the, you know, very deliberately that that's what it's saying. Like this is, this is the world they live in. It's just yeah, men yeah. shouting at each other. I, uh, I watched the, the original House of Cards and the Council Chambers, uh, that, those scenes kind of reminded me of the House of Cards, the original one, where it, there is a sort of shouting in British courtroom or British council rooms as well, but they, they're perhaps more, um, more gentlemen shouting. Oh no, things have taken a turn for the worse lately, okay. actually. <laughs> I will send you some clips. Um, there's been some pretty good bust ups going on recently. Nice. Um, yeah, um, the, the, the speaker of the house was saying the other day that um this is not a good advert for britain no because the level of shouting that's going going on and uh yeah there's i it, it's it, it's amusing but you also look at these people thinking they run our country mm-hmm. and it's, it is quite depressing in a way that yeah. you're you're watching people literally 
Can't behave uh, themselves. Yeah. I mean, literally at one stage of the day, someone was told to um, do some yoga to calm down because <laughs> it was getting so irate with something. And you sort of watch it thinking, oh my God. And, and in this, it's just like, it's all, and it's Italian as well. So it? it's obviously kind of ramping up the kind yeah. of the emotional value factor to, to one of 10. But I just love all this bellowing at the end. They're all shaking hands and it's all, you know, <laughs> everyone's kind of, you know, talking with their hands. I love, I love it. You know, it's just, it's just so funny to watch. And, uh, hmm. it's, uh, it, in that respect, from just from, I suppose, from a, purely from a kind of just watching this film, I get something out of it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the, the use of music in the film? Or the lack of music uh, yeah, at times. Yeah, I mean, I found the score, score a little bit kind of like, whoa, where's that come from? Yeah. It was a bit a bit overpowering, perhaps, but it's just kind of trying to, it's hammering the point home mm-hmm. that this is bad. You know, yeah. this is this is not good. And this is, you know, things are bleak here, folks. And it's like, <laughs> and you're like, kind of, it's like, I know, you know, but it, it it's kind of comedic in a way to me because it is that kind of like, dun, 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 you know, and you're like, oh my yeah, God, yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, I watched The Sweet Smell of Success again the other day and I love the music in that because it yeah. just kind of really reinforces the sleaziness of it all and it's mm-hmm. there's that brilliant scene where he says, yeah, I love this dirty town or something like that. Yeah. But in this, it's like, these people are bad <laughs> and here's a musical cue just to remind you that these people are bad. And it, it, I li- I, perhaps I like it for that for that reason alone, but... Uh, I, I do really enjoy the intro um, and the, the credit sequence at the beginning. Um, you get, just get the feeling that this city, uh, there's nothing good going on here. Um, but the scene that really, where it didn't work for me at all was the scene where Steiger, he's alone in his office and he's just been told that the, the party will not back him for the, the mayor position or, th- or something, uh, that he's being put on the bill. And the score, he, he's going through like some real personal struggles walking around his office at night. And there's some really beautiful cinematography where he's standing in front of the, the map and you have the city behind them. And yeah, but then the score just goes haywire and removes any kind of subtlety in the scene for me. And it just, it's a bit too edgy for that kind of film for me. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, I guess, I mean, I, 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 I think it comes back to the fact that I don't think this film is trying to be subtle. No, anyway. no. I think, I think it's really trying to sort of, you know, it's a bit like, um, when I watched Interstellar again the mm-hmm. other day. And by God, I love that soundtrack to that film. Yeah. It's one of my favorite albums, I think, of recent years. But I, I was thinking when I was watching it, like, I was almost expecting like a caption to come up and say, right, this is, this, this score now is telling you to cry. Mm-hmm. You know, be all in all. You know, it's it, it, it's only when I feel myself, I became really conscious of it, and it's great music, obviously. But I say, oh, God, oh, is this a bit too much? I don't know. And with hands over the city, I sort of thought it was kind of like, yeah, I get your point. You know, yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but again, yeah, I did. I was a bit sort of like, oh, I'm a bit kind of taken out of it. Yeah. But, but then again, I mean, you know, like we say, that, that's you know Ross has made the decision to use that I mean he'd be in complete control he knows what he's doing you know if he wants you to to literally feel you know the the ground shaking at how bad (laughs) these people are that's what's going to happen you know yeah um anything else you want to discuss um not that I can think of experience with you Um, um the one one character I really did enjoy was the DeVita character yeah Uh, the, the actor playing him is he's Really good, uh, in my eyes. And he almost, I place, uh, I place Steiger at times. 
Yeah, and it's a big, you know, you've got someone like, when you do have kind of like a major Hollywood star, the yeah. fact that we even, you know, that you can kind of comment on an individual performance like that, you know, it, it it's, um, it is quite interesting. I mean, this is, the, this is the, his one film as well. Um, okay. I can't, don't know that. I can't remember, his, I can't, can't remember his surname, but yeah, this was, this was it. So, um, I keep, like, when I'm watching this film, I watched it a couple of times now, when I, I keep, my eyes keep wandering to this Davita character just when they are sitting like eight to nine people in the room and he's constantly doing like interesting things and yeah his performance is uh, really subtle uh, at times and really good yeah yeah and um I, I think that kind of comes to the, to the fact that by even virtually saying that you know just just interesting faces and that's the thing about this one I think people have interesting faces they look yeah. kind of very expressive mm-hmm. and that's how you kind of, I, I suppose it's kind of the way into it and why you kind of, just from an aesthetic point of view, I, I can find, I just love watching this film. Yeah. And I, I would just want to say sort of just one thing about this, this Blu-ray that's come out on Master Cinema. Um, it's, it's very easy, I think, to perhaps, you know, going back to Interstellar to watch that and say, oh my God, it just looks and sounds amazing, which it does on Blu-ray. But by God, this film really blew me away mm-hmm. on Blu-ray. It's such a good transfer. Um, I think it could be one of their best, actually. Yeah, I would agree. Of, in terms of quality. Um, yeah, I, I was just, I found myself completely transfixed by it. the level of detail that's brought out in it and the, the, I suppose the contrast as well in in, mm-hmm. in how well it's filmed. I was just, yeah, it, it was mesmerising to me. And they, like you said those scenes where it's kind of flying over the city. Mm. Um, I, I was pretty dro- pretty kind of slack jawed at it to be honest with you. I, I, I mean, it's a film I've watched two or three times on my Criterion DVD. But um, yeah, I was absolutely well impressed with it. Yeah, and this this uh, film it really utilises like. Um, dark rooms and shadows and kind of contrasting lights. So it's really important that the, the film it, uh, is up to snuff, so to speak. And I watched, um, I watched the DVD version of it. Um, uh, the one that comes with the, uh, the Eureka Blu-ray. Right. Okay. And yeah, it's definitely worth watching the Blu-ray only for this film. If you don't have a Blu-ray player, I can't really imagine. There are only people left who don't own Blu-ray players. I know there are some people, and yeah, seriously, I mean, this is worth the upgrade. Yeah, I, just a bit of a tangent, actually. Um, someone was saying the other day. I know someone at work who bought, who went out and they bought a DVD of the film. No, of, they bought a DVD, and I said, okay. oh, "Have you not got a Blu-ray yet?" And they went, "Yeah, yeah," but the, the Blu-ray was like two quid more. I was like, what? <laughs> Do you mean like, and I said, but aren't you kind of, and they were like, I don't really notice the difference. And I just sort of think, you know, there are these people out there who just don't get it yet, I think. And yeah. it, it's, it's kind of shocking to me, actually. And I mean, are we do do we take it too seriously? Do you think is that is that our problem? Are we do we do we care too much <laughs> about the, about these types of things? I don't know, but I mean, it's uh, yeah, I, I, just mind numbing to me that you know someone wouldn't kind of upgrade yet or be hesitant to about the quality and stuff like that and christ is going to be and it's oh god it's happening at the moment it's like vhs you know like you know <sighs> vh oh do I, just vhs was shit yeah sorry we can go on a tangent rant now it's like tapes cassette tapes are shit right stop with this kind of going back and kind of pretending it's cool or retro or there's some sort of 
you know, there's some sort of thing about these kind of forms. They were rubbish, right? I'm sure at the time <laughs> they were great. We all had them, but things, but now they're rubbish. Stop. I mean, stop pretending. Yeah. I feel like the, um, if you want to draw the comparison to like, uh, an LP player, you can't really because that would be more equivalent to something like 16 millimeter. Yeah. So no. the VHS, it only downgrades the experience for me. It doesn't add anything new. It only yeah. takes away something from the experience. Yeah, LP, the, LP it gonna... adds something. It adds I mean, a when, new sound, so. Yeah, I mean, when we're all with 4K and all that kind of stuff, and we're all like pretending that we're not going to buy 4K things, and then <laughs> 4K Blu-ray, and we'll be like, oh my God, and then we'll be thinking, there'll be some idiot who goes, um, you know, DVDs were just so much better. You know, that, like the experience, shut up. No, they're not. You know, like, VHS is shite. And, and 4K compared to DVD will be crap. DVDs will look rubbish. They'll look like VHS. I mean, you remember when v- when DVDs came out? Yeah. And I, I remember, I can't remember what film, I think it's Shakespeare in Love. And we were like slack jawed watching the blue, the DVD of that. Like, oh my God, look at it. <laughs> There's no, like, it, the, the picture that never gets like lines across it. You don't have to rewrite it. What is this for? <laughs> and we'll be like that with 4K. We'll be looking at like 2001, our Blu-rays at 2001 going, yeah, it's all right, but look at it now. Yeah. And yeah, but there will be one per, I can guarantee it. There'll be people moaning when, yeah, I mean, when Criterion stopped doing dual formats. Yeah, that's because that was demand, that. It's because people didn't want to buy Blu-rays. Yeah. I was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, yeah, I can't understand the logic there. No, I don't. It's, it's no. beyond me. But I mean, I'm going into rant territory. I've actually annoyed myself to the point where I need to have a drink. <laughs> um, I watched the... There's only one supplement uh, on yeah. this disc, and I found it quite interesting. The um, It's a supplement where... The French film historian Michel Simon is interviewing Rosie and the author, um, Raphael Lacapria, who co-wrote the film. And uh, it was a good little, good little interview where he goes into loads of different areas, not only discussing the film, but uh, his approach to cinema and how he uses it to uh, get a message across and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I, I've, I've seen a couple of interviews with Ross. He, he is a pretty cool guy, yeah. it has to be said. And he reminds me of someone who would crop up in the film The Great Beauty. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like he'd be at some kind of like crazy techno party where everyone's wearing <laughs> Dolce and Cabana suits and he'll just be in the corner smoking a cigarette, completely oblivious to the fact that there's a massive techno party going on. With yeah. He'll just be sitting there being cool. And uh, that, that's my obsession with Italian films, actually, is the parties they have. Yeah. Because no one seems to get ever get that, like, annihilated. <laughs> you sort of see him around get drinking. But no, he, he, he strikes me as in, well, was a very, very, very cool guy. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, I just love, I, I love seeing these people talk and it, it's a shame. I mean, as a kind of filmography goes, he seems to kind of like disappear. Yeah, his career kind of, he wasn't kind of making films up to the day he died, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have, I mean, I think the last one was 97 mm-hmm. according to this. But I mean, they seem to kind of, these people, they kind of had their peak in the 60s and yeah. the early 70s and they kind of like Antonioni as well. I mean, they just sort of kind of, I think kind of perhaps, they have their, they, they, they seem to be filmmakers for a time and a place, mm-hmm. as it were. And I think they kind of get a little bit lost in the sort of the, uh, in the modern world a bit. And we, I'm, I'm glad that we have them, but it's just such a shame. Get these films. I, I want to see more of his films. Yeah. And I want to see more kind of put out. And it just seems like, I, I, I guess, um, 
films made after kind of the moment of truth perhaps they just weren't you know very popular or there might be rights issues or what have you but it just seems a shame that we're kind of missing out on them hmm. um another italian film that i remember slightly um is il divo the uh, sorrentino film have you seen that one no, I haven't. No. Okay, it deals also deals with like the the inner you know, inner workings of the legal system and like back deals and stuff like that. But um, it's been a few years since I've seen it, so I'd be interested in going back to it now that I've seen this one to kind of see because I I think there's there are some similarities and um, Sorrentino like the way he deals with the characters. So yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely check out the moment of truth and Salvatore Giuliano because I mean there are. They're both out on Criterion. Um, Arrow put out Salvatore Giuliano on Blu-ray. Mm. And, um, yeah, especially The Moment of Truth, I thought it was a great film. Uh, I mean, I really, really got into that. And uh, he's, he's one of these filmmakers. I feel like between between this and those films, I'm, I'm really, I, just, I so just want to watch his other work. Mm. And unfortunately, just can't get out of it. I mean, I've got... I now own all the Antonioni films, and I've just been, like I said, I've just been binge-watching them at the moment. I don't know what the hell's going on with me. <laughs> um, but I just seem to be able to sit there in a trance and watch. I've got this whole Italian thing going on. I just bought um, the Criterion, the Dolce Vita as well, actually, which I'm going to... Uh, I wasn't ready for when I first saw that no. um, many, many years ago. Mm. And, I, and I sort of love it. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on a whole Italian thing at the moment. I think watching Hands Over the City, because it's such a kind of grubby film in a way. Yeah. It's that kind of whole... I want to get back to my kind of minimalist kind <laughs> of apartments and Monica Vitti. I think that's the kind of... The, yeah, that's the the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the the thing I keep coming back to is Monica Vitti. I think that's my problem at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we can start wrapping things up. Uh, where can we get a hold of you on the line? Um, 24framescast.blogspot.com it is definitely coming back folks thank you all for your emails I've, I've been getting hassled which is good and mm. I, I say that in a really good way I've been getting hassled to put more out and I am I really am um, working at the moment but uh, yeah just be patient folks there's, there's more in the pipeline you can find me on Twitter at 24framescast um, you can befriend me on Facebook as well I need new friends on Facebook I'm getting bored <laughs> of the ones I've got so Tom Jennings find me my pictures uh, profile pictures two people dancing from eight and a half mm. so uh, and you can find us at moccast.blogspot.com. You can email us at mastersofcinemacast.gmail.com or find us on Twitter at moc underscore cast. Um, yeah, so it's been fun getting back into this and we'll be, we'll try to get out regular episodes again. It's been a, it's been a while now just due to illness and fatigue and holidays and whatnot, but we'll get yeah. back into our two week, uh, two week structure there. So. Yeah. Yeah. So the moral of the story is don't go to India. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Have we established that? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, at least yeah. we know that for now. <laughs> okay. Thank you for joining me, Tom. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Right.